Hello and welcome to the Irish NFL Show. My name is Shane Brennan and thank you very much for joining me this week. And I think there's been a lot of hype around the Steelers with them hosting a, a watch party in Dublin a couple of weeks ago. And now the offense starting to fire. So I think it's a fantastic opportunity to talk Pittsburgh football with Christopher Carter, from, uh, who is a writer with the Pits, uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the host of the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Chris, you must be feeling uh, good to be a Steelers fan this week after the performance the offense put in against Cincinnati. Well, as a Steelers reporter... It is a lot easier to talk to fans when they win. So that is certainly a thing. Uh, but I got to say, you know, this is probably the most positive people have felt about Kenny Pickett this year. So that has certainly met, made things a little bit easier in uh, in the city of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I just want to focus in, I think, on a couple of the differences we saw uh, at the weekend against Cincinnati. Because, again, I was I paid a lot, a lot of attention to the game the previous week uh, against Cleveland. And one thing I noticed it was missing was whenever Kenny Pickett had the ball, he never seemed to really decide to throw it downfield. Whereas on the first play against Cincinnati, he gets the ball, he puts it right down the middle for Pat Vermouth, and I think it was, what, a 30-plus yard gain? Something you never saw the Pittsburgh even attempt against Cleveland. What was the was it really that much of an offensive overall in terms of how the Steelers played against Cincinnati the weekend? So it wasn't an overall. So here's the thing. People have to understand what was overhauled. I think what was overhauled was the process of how they practiced and how they looked at plays. But that was very much the same playbook that Matt Canada has been using all season. Those are the same plays. A lot of those are the same looks that were generating opportunities that Kenny Pickett was missing. But what I think was the real difference for Eddie Faulkner, the new offensive coordinator, and how he conducted practices throughout throughout the week and made sure that Kenny Pickett was more focused was getting him to look in the right places. And I actually asked Kenny Pickett about his eyes and trying to understand things. He said that's something he tries to train all the time. The one thing that we've heard a little bit about from the inside about Matt Canada and how he operates is that you know, the play designs are fine, but I think that what was what the problem had been was the Steelers were just having so many problems getting on the same page, and that led to so many issues for them. So it was less about calling brand new plays or anything about the, like that, more about needing an offensive coach who can help organize things day-to-day and make sure that, hey, this week, we know that this team's going to try to do these things. So let's try to do these things that we know how to do to counteract that better. And I just think Kenny Pickett looked more prepared to handle that kind of a situation and all that. And I've been saying for months, if he just takes what's there, this Steelers offense becomes a real problem for people to stop. And we saw that show, show glimpses of it in their win over Cincinnati. Yeah, I believe what the stat is the first time that the Steelers have gone for 400 yards offense or more than 58 games. I mean, that's quite a long period for the Steelers not to not to put up that many yards, but yet they still keep finding ways to, to win games. I think in this particular one against uh, Cincinnati, I think there was a, a sense that the offense probably looked better than the amount of points that were taken. Would you agree with that point of view? Or do you think that there really was a, um, a, a better look or that the offense probably deserved more than the 16 points they got? I mean, they certainly the process that they took to get there was better than they've had all season. So like, and I, I, did, I recently did a film thread on my Twitter account or X account uh, at Carter Critiques where I broke down even some of the plays that Kenny Pickett wasn't at his best. You could see he had the right idea in place. And this was also just a weird game. It was a rainy game. The Deontay Johnson touchdown that wasn't a touchdown. Then, you know, the and the officials didn't call it a touchdown. Mike Tomlin didn't challenge it. The next play, Jalen Warren loses his first fumble that he's ever lost in his career. So just... Moments like that where it's like, man, if a couple things just break their way, this offense probably breaks this game open a lot sooner and it changes the tone of things. And I think that's where the Steelers are. But you have to appreciate the process of how of how they're getting there because 
you see Kenny Pickett, it wasn't just that he was taking the first read and that's just what happened to be open. He was reading the field. If the if the Bengals dropped into cover two, he was attacking the middle. If they went to cover three, he was attacking the seams. If he could find a one-on-one, he put it, he put the ball most of the times in the spot where only his guy could get it. He understood where to go with the ball and wasn't panicking. There were times the Bengals brought the blitz, and for the most part, Kenny Pickett knew how to respond to it and at least get an attempt off to try to counter counteract it. Sometimes he hit, sometimes sometimes he didn't. But the process to get there was so much better. And I do think that the Steelers, uh, even though this is just 16 points and you could say, hey, that's still not the offense you want, I agree. The Steelers want more than 16 points. But as a baseline for their new foundation with their new offensive coordinator, Eddie Faulkner, their new play caller, and Mike Sullivan, those, th- those parts of the offense are going to take a step forward. And I think that especially with the run game improving, this is now four straight games that they've rushed for over 150 yards. That's where you could really see some some steps forward from this Steelers team. If they can establish a balance on offense, this key, this team can be really tough to beat. Yeah, and I think 16 points in an AFC North matchup is is, is good for for any um, for any stretch, especially in in November. That's just the way the the football is played. Tough up there, but I just want to focus in on Matt Cannon a little bit. I noticed that you know he's usually one of these coordinators who is up in the booth watching the game, but we know that against Cleveland, he decided to come down to the sideline. Would you think that was an attempt to try and connect with the players a bit more so he can try and get his vision. Like you said, I think one of the, the, the problems with Matt Canada is that he wasn't necessarily getting players onto the same or reading off the same page. You think that was an attempt to try and communicate the players better or was that in his mind a last stand to keep his job because the pressure I, just kept mounting on him? I think it was it was an attempt by Mike Tomlin to try to get Matt Canada to come out of his shell a little bit because again I don't think it had been any, the play calling had been the biggest problem for the Steelers. It had been the execution. And I think part of the execution was guys weren't on the same page and getting them on the field would help them get on the same page. And for two straight games, the Steelers scored touchdowns in their opening possessions of the game. That hadn't happened all year, and I think it, it barely happened last year. So it, it gave a little bit of, of a push, but I think it was just Mike Tomlin trying to give his coach a chance to kind of try to build something so that he could make, make a shakeup. And I think it's, you know, it, you, you, Matt Canada has been fired now, but like you, a lot of the Steelers, you know, as much as, you know, Steelers fans were making fun of Matt Canada and celebrating it, a lot of Steelers were, were like the players themselves were like, you know, we did that. That's on us. Like a guy just lost his job because we weren't doing our jobs well enough. We have to be better. And I think that's part of the motivation right now is they have to show that they're a better offense than what they've shown in the first half of the season or so. So, um, I, I do think that him bringing him down out of the booth onto the sideline was an attempt to try to bridge some of the communication problems and some of the you know the misunderstandings that might be in the locker room or on the you know in the pra- in the practice in the practice field and in the classroom when they're studying everything and then trying to put it out in real life game game tape. Um, I, I think that was try to you know make a better connection there, but obviously in that Browns game things just came to a head. But I also think part of it is. You know, the Steelers players themselves were kind of getting fed up with the lack of offense. Like Najee Harris was visibly frustrated after the Browns lost. Deontay Johnson was visibly frustrated during and after the, the Browns lost. And the Steelers were kind of looking at that situation saying like, man, like we got to shake up something. And you're not shaking up Kenny Pickett because you know that you what you have in Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. So you want Kenny Pickett to say the future. So what do you shake up? Well, maybe shake up the guy that, that, that that's supposed to be organizing the offense and things might feel a little disorganized right now. That's where I think the Steelers went for, and uh, ultimately, at least for the week one experiment, I think they saw progress. Yeah, I think I'd like to take, from the our point of view on this side of the Atlantic, I think the idea of uh, Matt Cannon getting fired mis- midseason wasn't necessarily shocking. I mean, we've seen Ken Dorsey getting fired in Buffalo um, 
as I think today Frank Reich uh, got fired from Carolina as head coach. But in Pittsburgh, it's, it's not a done thing. You've only had three head coaches in the entire um, Super Bowl era, and haven't the Steelers haven't made a, a mid-season change of coordinators since 1941. So when the actual firing happened, what? how did it feel in Pittsburgh? Did it feel like this is an unusual uh, sort of turn of pace for the Steelers organization itself to take in in losing confidence midway through a season in one of his coordinators, or was it was it expected and a sort of expected execution? No, it was it was a shock. The Steelers haven't fired a coordinator or a coach like uh, to that level since 1941 in the midseason. So like that's that was crazy. I mean, like when it happened, I I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you I'll give you a funny insight. So yeah, I live with my fiance, and uh, we're uh, you know it, it's like it's Tuesday morning. I had a really late Monday night just finishing all the shows that I do and working hard, and so I thought I'd sleep in a little bit Tuesday morning. And she comes and she wakes me up and it's like 8 a.m. And she's like, hey, I'm like, hey, what's up? And she's like, just thought you should know Matt Canada got fired. And I'm like, oh, what just happened? And so I'm like, like it's like I'm freaking out. So I'm like, great. This is oh, this is just great. So uh, it was uh, it was just it was crazy to kind of be in it. And all of Pittsburgh was shocked. Like no one thought this was going to happen. There is this uh, there's this uh, there's this narrative out there that the Roonies are cheap and they don't want to pay a guy to not do a job because if you fire a coach, all their money's guaranteed. So they'd be getting paid to basically do nothing. But I, I think the Roonies had had enough. And I think Mike Tomlin kind of communicated it like, Hey, like it's, it's not working. We need to do something else. We got, we have to be better this season. And so, you know, unfortunately we, we got, he has to go. So uh, it was certainly a shock. And uh, I think fans are, 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 we're welcome to it. It'll be very interesting to see how this next game goes because I have covered every Steelers home game, and in every Steelers home game this season, there has been a fire Matt Canada chant. This will be the first home game since he's been fired. So what will they chant about now? Yeah, it even reached Pittsburgh Penguins uh, hockey games in the start of the season, which I thought yeah. was was brilliant, considering I think was they were playing a Canadian hockey team. I don't think a couple of the guys knew what was going on. So that was, uh, that was really funny. <laughs> that was always interesting. But I think to move with the, the, our focus away from the offense, I think, which I, obviously the big talking point this weekend, for the Cedars, but we are sitting here where the Cedars are seven and four. They're in a really good good position to to make the playoffs, even if some people argue whether they are worth their seven and four record or not. But I think a lot of kudos has to be given to uh, to the defense. I mean, the Bengals, even though they were without Joe Burrow, they still managed to hold them down to ten points at home. Uh, they kept the the Ravens quiet a couple of weeks ago at home, although I know the Ravens dropped a couple of passes. So. Do you think that this defense can really become a bedrock for the Cedars, not only to make the playoffs, but if they do get into playoffs, to maybe rustle a few feathers in the AFC? Uh, I certainly do. Um, you look at the Steelers' defense right now as we sit here, they're the number five scoring defense in the NFL. Like, say what you want about who they've had, who they've played. They're still the number five scoring defense in the NFL. And that defense has not played one whole game this year with Micah Fitzpatrick, T.J. Watt, and Cam Hayward all healthy and available to them. It hasn't happened. When Micah Fitzpatrick got hurt, the next week Cam Hayward returned from being on injured reserve. T.J. Watt's been healthy this year, but Micah Fitzpatrick has missed a, a full month. Cam Hayward missed two months. This this has been an injury-riddled season on top of their both their two of their top linebackers are out for the season. Um, they had to deal with injuries on the front line. Montrevious Adams, a starting defensive lineman, he's been he's been out for a month or so now. Micah Fitzpatrick's been out for a month now. Micah Fitzpatrick's backup, Keanu Neal, has, is on injured reserve right now. They've been dealing with injuries left and right, and somehow they're still one of the best defenses in the league, and they deserve credit for that. That's where I'm at as far as this. I, I think Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator, 
deserves more more praise for what he's done for the Steelers. They're also the second best second half defense in the NFL right now. They're giving up a touchdown a second per for every second half that they've played this season. The only team doing better than that right now is the San Francisco 49ers. So that's a that's pretty good company to be keeping. This is a good defense. And here's the thing: we're expecting Minka Fitzpatrick to be healthy again this week. If he is. And you're playing a two and two and nine or two and ten, whatever the record the Cardinals are. This is your chance for your defense to put the hammer down on a guy like Kyler Murray, play a complete game. Maybe your offense figures to think some things out. You're at home on a Sunday afternoon. This is a chance for the Steelers to kind of put together a complete performance and show the NFL, oh hey, they are that good. And if they win this game, they'd be eight and four, and they'd be a game back of the Baltimore Ravens with everything right in front of them. So. I, I like the Steelers' chances, and yes, that this defense can be that good. They, they're stopping the run a lot better. They're getting after the quarterback. They're covering better with Joey Porter Jr. in the secondary, and if Minka Fitzpatrick's back, that's going to boost their secondary even more. I think this is a Steelers team that can bang with everybody in the AFC this year as long as they keep everything in front of them and they get decent quarterback play. If Kenny Pickett just doesn't turn the ball over, takes what's there on most plays, you're, you're going to see this Steelers team bang, bang with everybody in the NFL. Yeah, I think it's very interesting whenever we talk about how to be successful in the NFL, everyone always says you have to have a really good offense and an average defense will do you. I think that's that's a phrase I've heard said a number of times, but yet the Steelers seem to be on the antithesis of that. They've had a really good defense and they've had an, a, an offense which has been sort of middling but managing to, to get things done in, in close games. Uh, and I think so just you were mentioning Kenny Pickett there and his you know, the fact that if the Steelers are going to find a path to victory, not only in, in the games for the rest of the season, but in the postseason, he needs to be tidy, not give away uh, turnovers. And not again, he does need to he does need to try and fall into the Josh Allen trap and try to, to score 14 points with every play. He just needs to find or sort of make sure he does the basics right and keep things moving along. Do you think that looking long term that Kenny Pickett is the guy that the Steelers can build into the future with? I know he's still relatively young into his career and you know, almost every quarterback in the league has some kind of question mark hanging over them. But in terms of the the sort of field report on Kenny Pickett himself, are you confident that he has the the tools and the mentality to really build himself into a quarterback that can lead the Steelers for the next five years or so? I mean, I, I've, I've said this for a while. The jury's going to be out on Kenny Pickett until maybe the end of next year. But Kenny Pickett is a leader. And he is a and and when he is when he is at his best, he's processing the field and he's making smart quarterback decisions. I covered him at the University of Pittsburgh, and his last year when he exploded wasn't a fluke. It wasn't just because of age. He's cut. He had an offense around him that could make plays, and he understood how to work with them. And if he develops that kind of chemistry with his team, he can be very dangerous in the NFL. He has he has a good enough arm talent. He has good enough athleticism. And I think the way he carries himself, his teammates respect him. And you can even see in his last game, there was a, a sack that he took where 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 he goes down, he goes down, and Najee Harris and Calvin Austin run up to him. They, they're picking him up, making sure he's all right. The team gets behind this guy. Um, right now, this year, he has not been a good quarterback. But this past week, I think that was uh, that was a good game. If he stacks more games like that, all of a sudden he'll go from a not good quarterback to a good quarterback. And then we can start talking about progress. But it's going to be about stacking days. But one thing I, I've said for, for for a while, Kenny Pickett, whenever I've talked to him, I've gone I've gone over things, you know, whether he was at Pitt or with the Steelers, Kenny Pickett doesn't look too much in the rearview mirror. When when he's done, when he looks, when he's done with the game, he has 24-hour rule where he he'll review it, look at it. But as soon as that 24 hours is up, he's looking at the next thing that he has to beat. He, he's looking at the next thing he has to focus on. And those are the things that determine if he's going to move forward 
and, uh, and and how he'll how he'll approach the next game. But he's always trying to find a way to win. He's an ultimate competitor, and I think that Kenny Pickett will figure it out and become that guy for the Steelers in the long run, um, despite his numbers and how bad he's looked at time this year. And listen, I've been one of the one of the harsher uh, you know local critics on him as far as what he's done on film. I've I've showed it time and time again. Some Steelers fans get angry at me when I do, but I'm just like, hey. He has to make these plays. He has to make this play. He has to make that play. Except this week, it was more. It was less about the plays that he had to make and more about the plays that he did make. And I think if he has more games like he did against the Bengals, the Steelers will not only get more points, but they'll get more wins. And I think then everyone will start looking at Kenny Pickett in a much different light. If we look ahead now to the teams that the Steelers had to play between now and the end of the season, I mean, uh, home against the Cardinals this coming Sunday, Thursday night football against my struggling Patriots, uh, away to Indianapolis, at home to, to the Bengals, away to the Seahawks, and away to the Ravens. I mean, none of those games sound particularly difficult. I think having to play the 49ers, you know, that's already in the rearview mirror. That's done. There, there isn't a the game there I'm looking at, I think, that the Steelers are almost certain to lose. The, playing away to the Ravens, I think, is probably the toughest of that slate. But the fact that A, they've already beaten the Ravens, and B, there is already, uh, there is already some familiarity between AFC North rivals, probably make that probably a more winnable game than if a team from another division had to play in Baltimore. I think that that as much as there is a lot of negativity around the way the Steelers are playing, in terms of the schedule they have, there's no reason that they can't really make a, a true push to not only get a wildcard place, but if the if the, the Ravens make a slip or something happens to Lamar Jackson or if they lose games like they did against the Browns a couple of weeks, that the Steelers could be pushing for an AFC North um, title now. Am I am I hyping up a little bit too much here, or is the, or is there a genuine feeling that there is still something in play here? Listen, there might be some people in Pittsburgh that feel like you're hyping them up. I don't think you are. I think that you're right on there because that's where I felt. I said before this season started, this was a 12 win Steelers team. I felt like they from the from the jump they would be in the competition to win this division so long as they can stay primarily healthy. And they've dealt with a lot of injuries, but they're still in position to do that. If they beat the 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 the, the two win Cardinals. At home on Sunday, there'll be a game back of the Baltimore Ravens with each of them having five games left to play. You look at, at, at those collective schedules and you tell me which schedule you'd, you'd prefer to have. Because if you if you look at if you look at the Steelers right now, like you said, after the Cardinals game, they, they play the Patriots at home. They're at the Colts then they get the Bengals at home. Still won't be any Joe Burrow. He's on injured reserve. You go on the road to the Seahawks, who haven't been good this year. And then you play the Ravens in Baltimore, a team you've already beaten this this year. Whereas if, if you're the Ravens, after their bye, they play the Rams at home. That could be a favorable matchup. The Rams did beat up on the Cardinals, but they haven't been good this year. The Jaguars on the road. The Jaguars, one of the better teams in the AFC right now. The Niners on the road. The Niners, arguably the best team in football compared with the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you got to play the Dolphins at home, and we all know how explosive that offense can be. So uh, I'll ask you, Shane, which set of opponents would you rather play leading up to that Week 18 matchup where the Steelers and the Ravens play each other? Even on Madden, I'd, I'd take the Steelers' run. Never know, never mind. Actually, have to, to face those guys in real life. That is a that is a definitely a huge difference in the schedules there. And I know, I, I think we, we were saying it before the start of the season that the AFC North could be possibly even throw up four um, teams heading to the playoffs. Now, I know the Browns and the Bengals have had quarterback uh, or, or sorry injury issues, but I mean, having to to, to come, being able to, to come through that division with a win, with a winning record, and being able to do. Uh, so well, having to beat up on other teams in your division, I think the Steelers have done quite well to eat those those small games. And I think what I, what I really want to capture here is, is, as speaking personally, as somebody who's not a Steelers fan, 
what is the Mike Tomlin magic that keeps managing to find ways to get winning seasons out of every squad he has each year? Because before, almost it seems like before every season, there's talk saying, oh, this could be the year that Mike Tomlin doesn't get a winning record. Evans and then all of a sudden, you're sitting here and, you know, they have twice as many wins as they do loss- losses. I think, yeah, if there's any, I don't know, if there's any head coaches there or people trying to, you know, put it on their their cap and sunglasses trying to do their best Mike Tomlin impression, what is it? What is it they need to really uh, capture his magic to be able to get a winning record? Mike Tomlin will tell you, it's not magic. It's just staying focused every single week. It's staying focused on the right things every single week. You know, Mike Tomlin will come out to the media and he'll give, you know, funny phrases that we call Tomlinisms. He'll say things that catch, that turn headlines and nothing crazy, but just something that'll be a little colorful just to give us something to write about. But when he, but everything that he does when he's talking to the media, I tell people, do not take what he says at a presser or at a media availability for face value. Oftentimes, he is saying stuff to protect his locker room because to him, the most important thing at the end of the day is always, do the guys in that locker room behind me believe in me? Do they believe in themselves? And do they believe they can go out and win? And if those three things are in check, that's what he wants. And Mike Tomlin has built a culture for the Steelers. And the Steelers already had a culture, but his culture allows for these guys to stay locked and loaded. Under Bill Cowher, a great Hall of Fame head coach, there were seasons that got away from him. There were 6-10 and seasons and 7-9 and seasons. That doesn't happen with Mike Tomlin. Even in 2019, when Ben Roethlisberger played two games, lost both of them, and then was out for the year, and they had to go to a professional duck caller named Devlin Hodges to start to start for most of the season, they still found a way to go 8-8 eight and eight that year and avoid a losing season. And people, some people in Pittsburgh, they downplay that. They say, oh, that doesn't matter. He, does, he hasn't won a Super Bowl in a long time. He hasn't won a playoff game in some, in some years. It's like, okay. It doesn't matter, and some people say, I'd rather lose more games than win so that we can get higher draft picks. But here's the thing. When you start losing a lot of games, you know what starts to happen? The players that you did that you did draft, the players that you did sign, they don't want to be a part of that culture anymore. They want to find something else. And that's where you get guys like T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, the guys like that, you, that, that, that you've now made pillars of your organization. That's why they stick around, because they know every single year they will have a fighting chance to not only get into the playoffs, but be a tough football team it hasn't manifested into recent success of getting far in the playoffs since 26 since the 2016 2017 season but they have been in the conversation every single year when you get to late december you're talking about the steelers maybe being in the playoffs sometimes being in the playoff they hosted a playoff game just in 20 the 2020 2021 season so um they part of that is mike tomlin getting guys to believe in believe in themselves being honest with them loving the game of football approaching it every day and that's where um, uh, that that's where I think the, uh, the 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 Steelers are 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 always you know kind of in a great situation with him because if you look at um, uh, if if you if you look at the at the Steelers and, and the way that they're playing right now they're playing inspired guys like Trenton Thompson is a practice squad guy guys like Michael Walker practice squad guy but they're starters now in the defense and they're making plays Trenton Thompson just made an interception while he was guarding or he was you know that was thrown in the direction of Jamar Chase like that's one of the best receivers in the NFL that that was in that was behind you that you jumped the pass and made the interception and you just came off the practice squad that's huge stuff there that gets people to believe in their jobs that you know when Mike Thomas says the standard is the standard you know sometimes things don't work out and they lose games but so does every coach. Look at Bill Belichick right now. And I know you're a Patriots fan. Bill Belichick is one of the greatest coaches of all time. 
But when things ain't working, sometimes you're just going to be taking some serious losses and you're seeing things kind of get worse and worse in New England. That's where Mike Tomlin, I think, has done a great job to say, hey, we may have we, we may have lost Ben Roethlisberger. We may have, you know, seen a lot of guys. The Steelers have lost a lot of people. Ryan Chazier got paralyzed. Uh, and, you know, Antonio Brown went crazy and, and went off into the NFL. Le'Veon Bell thought he could get more money and, and, and left superstar after superstar. You know, either retiring, getting old, getting injured, leaving the team, whatever. They've lost all that. And somehow still, they're right in the conversation every single year. It's not magic. It's just great coaching for Mike Tomlin, which is why I think that he is one of the best coaches in the NFL. You know, I'm really glad you made that point because I, I was talking to a few people. Uh, uh, various uh, teams were talking about trying to see whether it's the right time to tank. And I was also listening to some Boston Sports Radio at the weekend and saying, oh, this is a good time to tank. That maybe Bill Belichick made that, made the the, the field goal uh, go wide on purpose against the Giants. And I was like, well, listen, whatever about trying to, to lose and get, and get draft picks, it's very difficult to go from being a losing team to being a winning team. It's not just about... It's not a video game where you get draft picks, get yeah. better guys and turn around like that. It's culture is very, very important. I mean, we look at the Raiders tried, tried to buy culture with Josh McDonald's and it did not work out. You cannot buy it. It has to be built through years of hard work and and personable leadership. And I think that's something that um, that that the Steelers have in spades, both on, on and off the field in the entire organization. I think that that's one of the things that makes them, that endears them to a lot of fan bases and, and makes them a very popular choice. Yeah, no, that's part of it. it, is that the Steelers, they give you that foundation. If you're a fan of the team, you're often in a position to, uh, to, to, to be rooting for a successful football team and to believe in something. The Steelers, I mean, I'm 34 years old. In my lifetime, the Steelers have never finished in last place in their division, ever. And I mean, I mean last place, and there's four teams in the AFC North. You'd think that it, since 2000, when they realigned the, the divisions to be just four teams, that at some point in the last 23 years, the Steelers would have just fallen off a little bit and just taken a dive and not and not been in there. But they haven't. And some of that was Bill Cowher early on, but it's since 2007, Mike Tomlin's been the captain of the ship, and he's continued to do a great job. And you're right, it builds it builds you know belief amongst the fans, but also builds belief among the players. They believe that they're they're part of this. They want to fight to be a part of this. It's why you like you look across the board and it's players and coaches. They say if there's someone else that you would rather work under, play under, coach under, who would it be? Like a whole bunch of them say Mike Tomlin because they they love the way that he approaches the game. Uh, they appreciate him. Even guys like Sean McVay, who are newer coaches and the younger coaches in the NFL, they're like yeah, when when you listen to him talk about other great coaches, one of the first people that he always brings up is Mike Tomlin, and that's part of what he does as a great coach. And there's some people in Pittsburgh that don't appreciate him. A lot of people in Pittsburgh, there's people that want him fired because he hasn't won a playoff game in so many years. And, yes, sure, you want him to you want to win a playoff game. But being realistic about where the Steelers have been, how many of those years did you really think the Steelers were going to win a playoff game? 2019 when they had a fourth-string undrafted rookie quarterback. 2020, you could say so, maybe. But they, they were definitely an old team that got banged up late in the season and then played a terrible game in the playoffs. 2021, the last year of Ben Roethlisberger, nobody thought that team was going anywhere. 2022, Kenny Pickett's rookie year, nobody thought that team was going anywhere. So if we're being realistic, Mike Tomlin, I think, has gotten more and more out of what what the Steelers have been able to, to, to offer. And right now, I think there's a potential for how the defenses play. They're a top-five defense in scoring as we sit here and we record this podcast. This, if the offense continues to progress, you could doubt, you could see a rise in the Steelers coming that could make them a very formidable opponent for the next several years, especially if Kenny Pickett starts to figure it out 
especially if the run game continues to progress with Najee Harris, Jalen Warren running behind Broderick Jones, James Daniels, and that strong offensive line that they've got, then all of a sudden you're looking at a team that, well, you can't just beat them by stopping them from throwing the ball. You have to beat them in so many different ways. And that's, what I think, what Mike Tomlin's trying to build. If they just get a couple of those things to work, you could be seeing the Steelers being a, an NFL power the next five to six years. Well, there's certainly a lot of hype about Pittsburgh. And I'd sorry, just to go on your point earlier about the way that a player has noticed. I mean, I was uh, talking a few weeks ago about the comments that was made by the family of Caleb Williams. That there's a few teams that he that they didn't want Caleb Williams going to. And you see that, you know, there are teams where, where the culture and where the players see the, the way that, that the organization set up as something that's bad for them and bad for their careers. And I think Pittsburgh is one of those places that has never really seen like that is always a good spot. And just to turn our attention now to... Um, so from an Irish point of view, of course, I think uh, two Pittsburgh teams have made uh, kind of large commitments uh, to Ireland over the next while. Firstly, you want to talk about um, the the view from Pennsylvania about the Pittsburgh Steelers and their growing relationship with Ireland. The fact that they have international home marketing rights. They held uh, an official watch party uh, in Croke Park, our 80,000 pl- uh, Cedar Plus Stadium, uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, when they played the Browns. I mean, is that something that is noticed uh, by people in 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 Pittsburgh and in the Steelers media group, the the relationship that the Steelers having not only with Ireland but with other international media groups, and do you see, you know, do you see a possibility where the Steelers bring a home game to Dublin in the next few years? Oh, I, I can see that they'll be trying to listen. The Rooney family has always been very open about their ties to Ireland. You know, Dan Rooney, with the 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 owner and team president, uh, when they when they last won Super Bowls. You know, he was he was a guy that was the ambassador to Ireland when when Obama when President Obama took office. So you know you look at you look at that. That's always been a thing. They've been very proud of their heritage. But well, Pittsburgh is also a, a you know a, a city with a lot of Irish heritage. There's a lot of different you know ethnicities that live that live within the city. And there's certainly an Irish background. There's a time where Pittsburgh had one of the more recognized St. Patrick's Day celebrations in the country uh, for how for how well they w- they would celebrate that holiday here in Pittsburgh. And I know St. Patrick's Day ain't exactly like you know Ireland and nothing like that. It's more of a folk thing here in, 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 in the U.S., but still, there's definitely a connection there, and there's definitely a want to expand that connection uh, moving forward. Uh, on top of just Pittsburgh, the NFL the, in, in sports, they want to build more international connections because they recognize there's other markets to be getting to, to be getting into so that they can build up their fan base, build up you know, more more signs, more drives, and drives of revenue, and that's where I think that, that, that both, both, uh, uh, the, that both the Steelers, the NFL, um, and college football want to be going soon because I think enough people are iron and realize like, hey, football's a pretty fun sport. Like, we're going to really enjoy this. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. They, they look at those guys flying around, hitting each other and catching crazy passes and doing things like that. that that's a lot of fun. I, I think there is definitely a commitment to try to you know, continue to build that bridge with, 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 a, with a country like Ireland, especially with the connections that are just naturally within the Steelers organization. Um, and I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping that God willing, I'm still covering the Pitt Panthers in 2027 because if I am, I'm going to be going to Dublin, Ireland, when the University of Pittsburgh Panthers, they go in and take on, I believe they're playing Wisconsin uh, in the season opener in 2027. I know that's way down the line, but uh, that would I would love to be on that trip. Um, I've got some uh, some amazing friends, Sarah and Barry, that live in Ireland, uh, very, very close friends of ours. I hope to see them again very soon. Um, but uh, I'd love to go down there, see see them, finally see Ireland, and it's amazing. I've seen all seen amazing pictures and videos of what that what it looks like there. Um, so I, you know, I hope it keeps bridging because I'd like to get some more chances to visit. 
Well, look, if you do, uh, hopefully you are still sticking around by the time the pick come to play the Wisconsin Badgers in 2027, because I'm sure we'll, we'd love to chat there. And who knows, but based on the way we've been talking about the series, we could be talking about the reigning Super Bowl champions by then. We never know how things are going to are gonna build over the next couple of seasons. But for now, uh, Chris Carr, thank you very much for taking the time out to join us, and uh, I hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you very much.